Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Gorgeous George and Goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on! From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous Georgia goes here reporting on a Monday, April 11th. Going to chat with you here for the next hour or so as we discuss UFC 273, which took place this past Saturday. And of course, like we've kind of been hinting and telling you along the way, it is our 15-year anniversary. So I'm sure uh, we got to reflect a little bit and uh, talk about that. Thank you all for your support. So here we go. It's Monday, April 11th, 2022. Junkie Radio. All right, goes well. Happy anniversary. Um, this is our 15th year of doing the show officially today. So 15 years ago, you and I and Frank Trigg, we were in Santa Ana, California. And I remember in kind of a great room that we had, it was our living room, whatever, attached to the kitchen. We all sat down and drank a Budweiser or, or did a shot of vodka. <laughs> that was before. Yeah, no, yeah, I remember just to get going. And we were off and running. We did a one-hour show. It was fun. We stumbled a lot. We laughed a lot. And I don't even remember what I thought. I don't I, I don't think I ever thought it was going to be a whole career. I just thought, hey, let's, let's do this and have a little bit of fun. And it'll just kind of be a nice little side hobby, you know. Um, but, but here we are, man. I mean, these, this is our job. Yeah, it's so weird because you're right. It was just kind of like, let's see where this goes. But I don't think we ever expected it to go. Uh, I think we all kind of pictured our next move. You know, we have a job and then a couple of nights a week or something, we just come home and do this. Mm-hmm. But it just snowballed and never stopped. Right. So here we are. And first of all, again, thank you to everyone who's ever listened to the show. If it's your first show, if it's um your 3250th show which it's it's also that um thank you thank you for listening you know thanks for all of you that that's ever called in when it was a call-in show or shared it when you've seen us post you know about it and maybe you weren't even an mma fan but you just wanted to support all of it it, it it's literally too long to list and that's why I think we just don't do it. I think in the first year, we kind of tried to give a lot of uh, fist bumps to a lot of the people that got the show going, and a lot of them would call. But every single time you forgot someone, it, you always felt bad. But um, here we are. You know, it's it's MMA Junkie. It was Tag Radio back then. Now it's MMA Junkie Radio. And we're stoked. We're stoked every time we have to you know do the show. and because it's just, it's us at the water cooler when we were working, you know, and you had your first break or right before work or during your lunch and you were just discussing the big game or whatever it was back then. And now it's now it's the fights, you know, we get to do it again for a living. So uh, let's, let's get to that. Um, UFC 273 took place on Saturday in Jacksonville, Florida. It was sold out yet again, almost 15,000 people there. It's a small arena, but still, still a good crowd. And it was a uh, it was a fun night of cards, despite the fact that uh, we had a few more decisions that that I like I like finishes, you know. But still, I still had a good time. 
And we're going to start right at the top, man. Alexander Volkanovsky defeated Chan Sung Jung in the main event. He defended his UFC featherweight title for the third time. And in the process, I mean, he showed his levels above everybody else. Maybe with the exception of Max Holloway. Because, again, in my opinion, even though he's up 2 nothing, the second fight I thought Max won. And since then, uh, when Max beat Calvin Cater, he looked so great that even if Alex Volkanovsky has moved up a few levels on everyone else, I think Max Holloway's probably still there. Um, so it just seems like him and Max are just – I mean, he goes – he embarrassed the zombie. He embarrassed the zombie. And I don't know if that had to do with Alex Volkanovsky was awesome on Saturday night, which he was, or if that was the beginning of the end, or if – let's say let's say the zombie would fight anyone else next Saturday, you know, if he was fresh, would he still look good like, he's, like he always has, or, or, or would he – did the decline just, you know, uh, happen? His age caught up to him. You know, I always put myself in the uh, the noob seat, and I think, all right, if somebody that doesn't really keep track of our sports sits down and his buddies go, hey, there's a pay-per-view. You want to watch it? Sure, bud. Who's in the main event? Korean Zombie and Alexander Volkanovsky. If they watch that, they got to be thinking, what are these guys thinking? Like, these guys are on two different levels. That right. guy's choosing for the title. Like, he's the best option right now. Um, This is the second straight performance for Alexander Volkanovsky where he has just completely battered his opponent. You know, not not knockout. It's really hard to say, though, because, you know, you, you want to kind of come at his power a little bit, but, boy, he's just beat the crap out of people. And Chan Sung Jung is a Korean zombie for the re- for a reason, right? But he did knock him down quite a few times. Like, it really took the referee to finally just step in and say, enough is enough. It was getting to that point where where you, uh, I think we were all kind of hoping for a stoppage. Yeah, either his own corner, not let him go out for round four, or the doctor uh, stop it somehow, or or Herb. He, he wasn't, his face was marked up. I'm sure it looks worse today. But... He looks slow. Everything Volkanovski threw landed. It, you know what it looked like? It looked like how I expected CM Punk would look like if he had fought a striker, not a grappler. Just like, okay, all right, you know, enough. Cut the cord. The experiment's over. We have your winner. Thanks, CM. You know, we gave you a shot or whatever. But, you know, he went up against Mickey Gall, and um, I guess we got sort of a version of that, but in grappling. I don't want to disrespect the Korean zombie because he's legit. He has been legit for the past 10, 12 years. And even he said it, that's probably it for me. When it comes to title fights, it appears it's been clarified. He's going to go home and think about it, but he knows now if he fights, he's just a prize fighter fighting for a paycheck, gatekeeper status. Um, I imagine he knows that he, I suppose he could win three in a row, but I don't think he's facing Volkanovski. He needs Volkanovski to lose. So I think he realizes that was probably, you know, probably it right there. Especially again, coupled with his age of 35. And you brought it up. I was about to Herb Dean, man, great stoppage. Um, I didn't even want him to come out to round four. I think I spent the one minute in between round three and four kind of ranting, like, what, what, what's, what's going on, man? I was a little disappointed in the corner, probably the doctor and Herb Dean, because I, I thought he had already shown us over the 15 minutes that, you know, he, he had already taken a lot of damage. And it, it was kind of sad because now you're looking like a punching dummy, you know, and it shouldn't be that way. Um. I also made mention of Duku Kim, who lost to Ray Boom Boom Mancini in 1982. And I was like, you know, what what changed the world of boxing from 15 rounds to 12 rounds? So I mentioned it because they're both South Korean fighters. Actually, I was praising South Korea for them having rich combat sports history. They've had many boxers over the over time um, on the amateur level, pro level. Uh, they've had some... Uh, Others in MMA, you know, it's not as extensive in MMA, but still, if I'm not mistaken, Doohu Choi is um, Korean, and his fight versus Cub Swanson is going to go to the Hall of Fame. So, 
anyway, they're great fighters, great athletes, and but you can just tell when it's not someone's night, and he didn't need to. He did not need to be uh, going out there for another round. He he did. The doctor kind of gave him the easiest test ever by saying, uh, "Would you like to go out <laughs> for the next round?" And the fighter said, "Yeah, you know, or or can you go out for the next round?" Yeah. Can you still stand? Are you, are you aware? I don't know what he asked them, but you still want to fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, what the hell do you think the fighter's going to say? You know? Because if the fighter really didn't want to fight, then after round three, he probably would have quit on the stool. He probably would have walked to his corner and said, hey, I'm done, man. Whether he says it loud or he says it to his corner, and then psh, that's it. But instead, um, he was willing to get, you know, Tended to by the the uh, cut man. He took more instructions from his corners, and then he got ready to go out there. But I, you could just tell. It, man, the zombie's like, even though he's the zombie, and you know him to either be laughing or just not laughing, but smiling. He is. Um, he has. I've, I've seen him fight enough. Where you could tell when when he was standing there, he he didn't want to be there. At least that's what it looked like to me, man. It, he looked concerned, you know. But at the same time, he just couldn't bring himself to say, "I've had enough. Take me out, coach." So anyway, um, that's that. And congrats to Alexander Volkanovsky. And again, thank you to Herb Dean. For the great stoppage, he takes a lot of flack when something goes wrong. We got to give him his praise when he does something right. And I thought he was, I thought he did really, really well with that. As far as the, what it does for Alexander Volkanovsky, you know, it's something interesting that he said there at the end of the fight. He said, featherweights, get your shit together. (laughs) He says he wants a clear number one contender and then he'll fight. Well, first of all. You were slated to fight Alec, uh, Max Holloway. So I imagine the UFC is just going to pretty much put you together with Max Holloway. And if you accepted it once prior to him getting it hurt, prior to him getting hurt, then you're probably going to have to accept it again. Because even though it was the third fight, um, he's looked great. So have you, uh, Alex Champ. But Max looked great, and you've already accepted it once. I, I find it hard that you would now deny him. I'll leave a possibility of going to a lightweight, but what would he really do there? I mean, I don't think he walks into a title shot, so I suppose he could just walk into a high contender's bout. I don't know, but that's just the division that's so convoluted. It, it's so crazy there with Poirier and Ferguson Chandler, Oliveira, Gaethje, McGregor. You don't want to walk up there. So you stay at 45, and you probably take on Max Holloway. But if not Max Holloway, what he did say was, I want a clear number one contender. So I started thinking, well, is Josh Emmett a number one contender? He's won four in a row. He's like 17 and three. Possibly. But I think Volkanovsky wants someone that's left no doubt. So that guy, I think what he's saying is, hey, Emmett, you need to go through Ortega. Or you need to go through Holloway or something like that. And then you've reached that final, you know, hurdle of saying you're a number one contender. That part I got. But again, um, Volkanovski's just kind of beaten on quite a few fighters. He may, you know, that might just be the hand he gets dealt. So I don't know. I think it's insane. When you look at, uh, you know, a guy he's fought before, Max Holloway, when Max went up to 155, he just looks so small, dude. He, he really did. Um, I can't imagine how small Volkanovski's going to look against some of those 155ers. I think it's a bad move. I think you just keep fighting. You keep building your legacy at 145. And if you really buzz saw buzz through everyone, then maybe you can entertain something like that. But uh seems a little premature for that. He does seem a, like a strong 145-er, though, muscular-wise, girth-wise, size-wise. He does, he's not like a lanky guy, that's for sure. But, yeah, um, being the smaller, squatty guy is only going to work so long, you know, until you just get to a point where, yeah, I, I, I don't know how. I mean, there was a difference between Chandler and Oliveira. Chandler almost beat Oliveira, so I suppose anything's possible. 
And this guy really, really has been pretty impressive. We got to give him his respect. You know, you got to actually involve him in the pound-for-pound conversation now. And uh, him, Usman, um, Adesanya, Ngannou, all the other champs, you know, the Davis and whoever, all the pound-for-pound pound guys, he has to be up there because he's now a guy that's won, what, he's 11-0 in the UFC. He is, now has three title defenses, and and now he's smoking fools in title fights? Wow. That's that's pretty special. You know, he's definitely in the top five. I can tell you that I've already been working on it since since yesterday, but I haven't put the finishing touches. Um, and again, Herb Dean, any any final thoughts on uh, uh, on Herb Dean? Goose? I thought it was a really good stoppage. It's difficult that situation, and he did it at a, at like the perfect moment, I think, because uh, mm-hmm. Korean Zombie just didn't seem like he had it that night, and it didn't look like it was getting any better. And you just never know what what the shot is that's going to ruin the rest of your life when it it could come. So Herb, I thought, did a great job in in doing that. It's a lot of pressure, too, you know? It's a title fight. It's the main event. There's a lot of pressure to be the guy that stops that. But if you hear the crowd's reaction, nobody had a problem with it. Right. You're still going to get some knuckleheads that are going to go, hey, don't you remember, George? You know, Rosen struck and... uh, Overeem. Alistair Overeem or Misha Tate and Holly Holm. Yeah, you know, I do. Those are some great comebacks. Um, things weren't going well, for sure, for Rosenstruck. But Rosenstruck wasn't damaged like Zombie was. Misha wasn't damaged. Misha had won around. I think she was down 3-1 going into round five. Rosenstruck was down all four rounds, but he wasn't damaged, I remember. Like, like what the hell am I doing? Like Zombie was. Sorry for that noise. I have to close the window or something. And um, and, and so that was the difference. What I would have liked, honestly, what would have really made it perfect, perfect is Herb. So I give I give Herb a 99 out of 100, basically. If he had maybe walked over between round uh, three and four and said, I want to see something from you or I'm going to stop it, which is kind of what he did. He was looking to see something from Zombie once he went out there. Because a lot of that's on the corner, too. Or if the corner had said that with her standing there, you know, um, I I guess that just kind of puts me on the same wavelength as as the ref, as how I want him to be. But trust me, man, I'll be the first to say Herb can be inducted into the Hall of Fame tomorrow, man. He's been awesome. He did not make any mistakes. I'm just telling you, this is my perfect scenario so i could probably pick apart the guy that umpired the dodgers game the 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 last laker game you know they're they're not perfect they're always gonna you know do something but something that tells me that they're on the same wave wavelength as me and 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 that's you know i'm I'm looking out for the fighter because i didn't want him to come out for round four and he did and the minute he didn't look good stopped it perfect got done get out of here but well, that's just, that's just a little bit of what I would add. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, I guess you could always do that to everything. But uh, but yeah, he did a good, great job. Al Jermaine Sterling defeated Piotr Piotr Jan um, via split decision. So there were no ten eight rounds. Al Jermaine Sterling won rounds one, two, and three on two judges' scorecards and lost four and five. And Piotr Jan, uh, he won rounds one, four, and five. And there was, it was pretty consistent there where no one had a problem, even Aljo at the end. He knew he lost rounds four and five, but everyone knew he won rounds two and three. In fact, what we what a lot of us thought, including Goz and I, was that round two was a 10-8, and that round three was a possible 10-8. So we thought even the draw was in play. But what we did say was, if there are no 10-8s, then it came down to round one, and there you go. Two guys had it for Sterling. One guy had it for Piotr Jan. Now, if they had said Piotr Jan, based off that, um, would I have had a problem with it? Mm, a little bit, man, because I really thought round two was up for uh, – 
It was up for a 10-8. It should have been a 10-8, in my opinion. So I, I would have said, oh, you gave round one to Piotr Jan? All right, cool. But Sterling won round two, 10-8. Therefore, it's a draw, and therefore Sterling keeps the belt. And that's that, you know. So Sterling goes home as the champion. No one's really declared the winner or the loser. But the important thing, I think, is going home with the belt. Would I have won my bet? Because remember, I'm, I'm pretty outspoken about that. I just bet Sterling. I had a feeling he would win. No, I wouldn't have won my bet. But people that bet Don wouldn't have lost their better either. So if you're just worried about the money, well, then that then that, definitely I agree that could have happened. Um, but I didn't think it was 48-47 Piotr Jan because I thought there was at least a 10-8 in play. Uh, it turns out there wasn't. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it was one of those 10-8s where you're, you're beating down the door going, what are you thinking? I thought it was just – had just crossed the line, you know? into 10-8 territory, I scored it a draw. I actually gave uh, round one, four and five to Jan, and then two and three to Aljo, but a 10-8 in round two. Uh, but I'm not – I don't think it's the worst call in the world. Yeah, you know, because what I kept hearing from the detractors out there was, well, all he did was ride him. He never really submitted him. I wouldn't say that because – what he did was he took him down and then securing him for one, taking down Jan's stuff, and then obviously holding him down, securing him, making sure that he doesn't get up. And what helped for Aljo was he got into a dominant position quick and then he was able to secure the body triangle. But then he didn't just sit there. It wasn't like two guys where Aljo was on his back, Peter Jan was on top of him, and there was just the body triangle, and then there was hand fighting. No, it wasn't just that. There was times where Piotr Young was kind of turning in different directions, and Aljo actually landed some really, really nice strikes. And a couple times he was getting under the chin. It's just Piotr Young was was defending. But remember, the rules say dominance, duration, and damage. If two of the three are present, then it's open to be scored a 10-8. It doesn't say, you must score a 10-8. It says it's open to be scored a 10-8. And so he got him down with like 350 left in round two. So almost four minutes of this. That to me is duration. I mean, what's he supposed to do? Do it all five minutes? No. But I think almost four minutes, yeah, you got the duration. If you if you had if you had him that that whole time, that's the duration, the dominance. Kind of, yeah, because um the other guy had no offense. He was kind of punching back a little bit a few times, but he did that more in round three versus round two. And so he was dominating him because he was either trying to go for the submission or it was at least hitting him, hitting him, hitting him. And some of the shots were pretty good, especially when he went belly down, which Peter Yan, you could tell, didn't like, and he, he got out of that pretty quick. So I thought the dominance was there. And then as far as the damage, no, it wasn't too damaging. But again, it wasn't just him humping him, which is how many Peter Yan supporters are saying, no, you're wrong. It wasn't just humping him. There was some humping, yeah. But no, he was actually punching as well. And so I thought all three were present, but damage was really, really low. But either way, now, almost like, <coughs> like one championship, you look and they go, you may not kick the guy. They used to tell you that five years ago. So I would think just like here, when the round's over, somebody goes, you may now score it. You are open to scoring a 10-8, you know? And so I knew that I had that info. I was open to scoring a 10-8, and I felt like it met the criteria. Therefore, it was a 10-8. Because you're not going to tell me that the close rounds that Hamza Shemayev beat Burns. I thought Burns had a solid 10-9. I thought Shemayev had close 10-9s. But I thought the score was accurate. Shemayev won two 10s and had a 9. Um, Gilbert Burns had one ten and two nines, but Gilbert Burns' round was a clear ten nine, and so I can't compare that one to uh, to Aljamain Sterling. I thought Aljamain Sterling had a way clear ten nine. Even it was so clear that it was a ten eight. Yeah, Young didn't really fight back at all in that round. You know, it was just him trying to stay out of submissions and change positions. In round three, he did fight back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, so that one I wouldn't give a 10-8, and I, and I don't really think I was very close to doing that. But uh, but round two I thought was was good enough. I really did. Yeah. 
So yeah. e e either way, when they said uh, one judge has it 48, for, you know, on our watch along, I told everyone, expect anything from Peter Yon 48, 47, all the way to Sterling 48, 45. Anyway, when he said 48, 47, this guy, 48, 47, that guy, and last one, 48, 47, I was like, oh, shit, anything happened. Now, if he had said, and the last score is 48, 46, or 49, well, not 49, well, no, actually, no, no, they couldn't have reached 49. So 48, anything else other than a 47, I would have known it was going to be Sterling because I would have known 10 eights were in play. But when I heard 48, 47, I was like, oh, man, until, until goes. And all this is happening in split seconds. But my sharp eye caught Dana White looking over Bruce Buffer's shoulder, seeing the score, and then he had kind of a, I remember on the watch along, I said, I don't want to say a disgusted looking face. I think I said a disappointed face. He gave it away, man. The only thing I can think of is maybe um, maybe a zombie's corner or Rogan was looking at at, at Dana kind of going like, hey, take a look. And so he did it and maybe he just did it to Rogan or maybe um, – Maybe he's close with someone in, in Jan's corner or whatever. But I could tell right then he was going to give it to Sterling. Um, home, uh, What's his face had a kind of like this slow delivery of who's next and who's going to be the champion still. Because remember, we had an interim versus an, an undisputed for, in a title unification. But I already knew at that moment he was going to do it. In fact, he didn't even kind of take a half little step towards. Um, Algernon Sterling, and oh, that part bummed me out, man. It, it really did. Don't peek. You should be on the edge of your seat. That's the fun part. You're a fan at that point, Dana White. Um, you just happen to also be the president. But don't peek. Don't give it away with that face. And and there we had it. Algernon Sterling goes. You could just tell this weight was lifted off his shoulders. Yeah, you know, that, that moment you're talking about, at first it really bothered me. Yeah, it still somewhat bothers me, but now uh, because you look at it as almost like, well, he didn't want Al Jermaine to win, right? And later on, that wasn't what was best for the company. That was the look he had. Yeah, that that's how it made you feel. Later on, he explained he just thought Yon won. You know, he thought that Yon was robbed. So now I can kind of see that that look being like, what? Come on, you know, another bad decision, but. Uh, no, there's no way around it. He just shouldn't be peeking anyway, no matter what. Mm -hmm. I know it's somebody, but he, sh he shouldn't be peeking. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's weird because this this um, this fight, obviously at some point we're going to see him again, but I don't think we need to see him anytime soon. And no, it's, just, it's not that they haven't really been the most entertaining fights. You know, they, they're entertaining what? because, yeah, like, Fight one was okay. I mean, fight two was like, were you on the edge of your seat? I mean, it, it was just kind of, just kind of yeah, played out. It, I thought um, round one was close, and and Jan had won four. So I thought, ooh, if they give him one and they ain't scoring ten eights, it all goes around. It all goes down to round but five. The fight itself was the fight itself like entertaining. Where you're like, wow, these guys are taking it to each other. These guys are. Are so crafty. I mean, it just kind of played out. Neither guy really wanted to make too much of a mistake. I don't know. It just wasn't entertaining for me. Well, I agree. I don't want to see the third one for sure. So at least we'd be there. Um, I thought once Moreno submitted Figueredo in round in the second fight, we didn't need to see round three right away because the first one had been. If you think of, if you remember, Figueredo should have won it, but he had a, a point deduction, so they drew. So, okay, it was a great fight on three weeks' notice. Let's give him proper time and let's settle this. Boom, Moreno submits him, made it look easy. He didn't need to fight Figueroa right away. They should have stretched that out and involved someone else in the division because you never know. You never know if someone else is going to go in there and, and give you a classic. Dominic Reyes gave us a classic against John Jones. Diago Santos gave us a classic against John Jones. You just never know, you know. So they should have done that there, and here we are stuck on the fourth one. And you just never know how that one could go because they're technically one, one, and one. And what if this one ends in a stupid foul or a draw again or a controversial decision that Dana White doesn't like? I, 
I don't know. He, I, I, I'd like when they ask him how'd you score it, and he says it, but that didn't match the look, um, because the look told me the the guy we didn't want to win won, uh, not. Oh, I had it 48, 47 the other way. But whatever. Um, I just think you got to have a little bit of a poker face at that point. And I'm not saying don't go overboard like like Don King and Buster Douglas and Mike Tyson, where you just abandon your guy and then you go out and celebrate with the other guy. No, I'm not saying all that. But I don't know, man. Um, so Aljo has to be feeling good. He says he's got receipts on everyone that talks shit. And he says he's going to be trolling and talking big time. Oh, have fun, Aljo. Uh, you earned it for sure. You didn't close strong, and I think that should be a concern because once he wasn't able to get the takedown, it's troublesome. Peter Jan's troublesome for him on the feet. So mm-hmm. whenever they do have the third fight, he has to make sure that um, you know he gets this fight down down on the ground and and, and either finishes him or dominates them because now he knows how difficult it's going to be to get 10-8. But I will say this goes in closing on that fight. I don't know if you recall, but I was saying when Alcho was throwing all those kicks in round one, I remember saying, well, he had problems with cardio and coaches and trainers have told us that you exert a lot of energy when you're throwing these kicks. But guess what goes? All those kicks were probably points that led for, that led towards a judge going, oh, I'll give him the 10-9. Because A, Don's a slow starter, and B, Alja was active, and a lot of those kicks did land. So it's funny how whatever it was that he did in, in round one, that kept him being world champion. It all boiled down to round one. Yeah, and it was a close round. I remember at the end, we were kind of, I think we both said Jan, but but it was close. It was very close. So uh, props to Alja and Sterling. And and that's a lesson too. If you're a slow starter, well, that that's that's what could possibly happen, man. You know, mm-hmm. it, that that may cost you. Um, in the featured bout, for many people, the main event: Hamza Shemaev defeated Gilbert Burns via unanimous decision, 29-20. Oh, sorry, guys. I want to say one last thing with Sterling and um, Jan. For any of you that said robbery, take a look at MMA decisions. MMA decisions go had a lot of Sterlings, and they had some 10-8 rewards in there for them. They had a lot of Sterlings. I think I saw even a 48-45, for sure a 48-46, all the way down to 48-47 for Sterling. And then the draws, it was about six draws. There was about 18 scorecards submitted. I think it went 11 for Sterling, uh, five for the draw, and there was only two Peter Jan, 48-47s. So the media sure as hell didn't seem to think it was a robbery. Um, but it was only fans. It was only fans that probably either bet money, got their parlay busted, or just their huge Peter Jan fans, or their huge Aljamain Sterling haters. Uh, and they're the ones that are going to be vocal. But you know what? Like I said, you just got to take your out. You just got to go, man, that's it. Fights in the books. I lost. The money's gone. But don't go out there making shit up or acting like a fool. Come on. Yeah, Shemayev defeated Gilbert Burns in what was instantly a classic. These guys went at it. Gilbert Burns gained a, a ton of respect. I think Dana White said he's going to pay him his win bonus as well. And uh, Shemayev, well, he answered a lot of questions. Now, now we know what he's like past round one. We know that in round two, it's, it's quite possible someone could almost finish him because he almost did get finished. And uh, but we also know that he's got heart and grit and he can dig deep because in round three he did. I thought Burns had the momentum going into round three. Um, but Shemaev, he's he's you know, he's the real deal. He he dug deep and he beat the number two guy in the UFC. Congrats to Hamza Shemaev. I think Shemaev is the real deal, but I think he's got a lot of work to do, so it's kind of hard because it's you don't want to say that he was exposed because he still got the win. But there are definitely things he needs to shore up, I think, in his game before he can be put in the same category as the champion and even the number one contender. It's it's uh, There are some things, because remember, this is a three-round fight, right? Like, what's he going to look like in round four and five? Yeah. So there's definitely, I don't know that the Hamzat knows how to, he needs to learn how to, when to put his foot on the gas and when to take his foot off the gas. 
Uh, right. He wants to survive a five round fight. You know, he was right. going and he was just brawling at times and exerting a lot of energy. And I think you have to be a little bit smarter than that. Now I get it. The guy's just got uber confidence. He's a real confident fighter and you want that. But at the same time, it takes these types of situations to kind of humble you a little bit. Uh, and hopefully that works for him and he can make those adjustments because he really does look like he could be a really good fighter, but there are definitely things that he needs to work on. Yeah. And you know, at the end at the post fight press conference, he, when he was kind of being asked those kind of tough questions, he was a little dismissive. Like I got the W 50 G's. I want to go home. Whereas Aljo, when he lost to, to Jan, not in the post fight press conference because he went to the hospital, but when you would ask him about it, he would own up that he needed to make adjustments. The first round, I came out too hard. It was a learning experience. I hope Hamzat uses Aljo's mindset, how, how what I did in round one, what I did in round two or whatever, because you're right. Gilbert Byrne was tired in round three. He wasn't exhausted, exhausted, because he still went out there and he had some moments. But he was tired in round three. Guess who doesn't get tired in round three goes in the welterweight division? Kamaru Usman and Colby Covington? Exactly. Both of them do not get tired in round three, round four, or round five. So early on, I would lean towards both of them over Hamza Shemaev. Now, if Hamza Shemaev is a studious athlete and a humble athlete, and he is honest with himself and and he's capable of making these adjustments like great fighters tend to do, then yeah, I would think at some point he will figure it out. He'll learn, he'll learn how to balance his gas tank, gauge himself over five rounds and, and, you know, he might be able to be a world champion one day, but that, I think that little part was slightly exposed. He needs a little bit of work. He was tiring in, in the third round it's just that the, the other guy who was smaller was tiring as well. They both fought a great fight, man. And bravo to both guys. They deserve that bonus. I wish they would even get more than just that 50 Gs. Well, in fact, I think they did. At least Hamza did. He got the crypto bonus goes. So he got mm-hmm. some Bitcoin, whatever that means. Um, but it, it, it was awesome. Um I was pulling for Burns. I bet on Burns, and I was happy with me. I was happy with my bet because I knew that if he got out of round one, we had something here, you know. Um, but I, I had no problem losing it, losing that money either, because Shemaev dug deep, man. He earned it. Yeah, really. When you think about it, one of the big talking points going into the weekend was just how high the odds were, and Gilbert Burns and um, Aljamain Sterling proved that wrong, right? Volkanovski was really the only one that that uh, performed to the level of what the odds makers had him at. Yeah. Gilbert Burns will probably get another quality opponent in the welterweight division once he's had some time to relax, chill. Like I say, Dana's going to pay him his win bonus. He also got 50 Gs. So... Uh, he'll probably fight at the end of the year. I don't. I don't see neither guy rushing back. Uh, although I could see Shamaya possibly fighting in Abu Dhabi. That's where mm-hmm. he kind of made his debut. So I could see him possibly uh, wanting to to fight there. Burns more like New York in November or Vegas in in December. Um, he's already established himself. You know, the other guy. It looks like he's probably going to fight Colby Covington. Um, I guess in October in, in on ABC in Abu Dhabi one week before. Yeah. Mackenzie Dern defeated Tisha Torres. Mark Madsen defeated Vince Pichel. That rounds out the main card of UFC 273. Any thoughts on Dern over Torres? I thought that was a fun fight. I was actually pretty impressed with Tisha Torres. Um, you know, at this point in her career and her age, you don't see too many fighters evolve. And it seems like she has added some wrinkles to her game. I thought she gave Mackenzie Dern some problems. I thought it was a really close fight. Mackenzie Dern uh, pulled it off, and she's somebody that needs to be talked about pretty soon. It's weird because that the top of that division is so heavy. 
And then you have these people on the outside looking in that really haven't closed the gap all that much. That's why you end up with these rematches there up at the top. So um, it'll be interesting to see what like a Marina Rodriguez or, or a Mackenzie Dern, if they could just take that one more step to be included in all that, it'd be great. But, uh, you know, props to Mackenzie Dern. She, she improves her game every single time. And that's the thing about her is she makes you feel like she's still getting better. That the, We haven't seen the best Mackenzie Dern yet. I'd love to see Tisha Torres against Angela Lee in the Adam weight division. Mm-hmm. I think that would be fun. Tisha Torres at 5-1 is super fast. She's a point scorer. I, I I noted that before the fight, she had started to gain a little bit more pop in her punches, but I don't think she's ever really going to be a knockout artist. She's going to be a point guy, point fighter. And she doesn't really have this decorated ground game where she can trouble you, uh, much less freaking <laughs> Mackenzie Dern. But, um, you know, I applaud her effort. And I think her being a champion is kind of out the window now in the strawweight division because not only did she just take the loss to, to Dern, there's Marina Rodriguez who beat Dern, was the last person to beat Dern. And then you got, you know, other fighters like Jean Jonan, Jan Jonan, the uh, panda, the other Chinese fighter of the division. You got Zhang Wei Li versus Joanna and Jacek. You got Carlos Barza and, and Rose Nami. I mean, that, that that road to get there, man, is like it's kind of almost in the same spot as Korean Zombie. Like you ain't gonna get away with a title now. This is her shot because she had one three in a row, but I still. I still think she's really turned around her turned her career around nicely. Um she was possibly gonna win this fight goes, but what Dern did was when she did that little jump to guard and hung up there, man, it was amazing because she really, really put a lot you could tell Tisha Torres was a little bit more careful anytime they were kind of engaging in close quarters. What Mackenzie Dern was did in that regard was amazing, man. Because I've seen a lot of people pull guard and immediately pull their opponent down and go to work or they stay there. But she went so high up and they got tangled up that it looked like she had way uh, so many different paths to um, submissions, whether she was going to attack her neck, her arm. It, it was a, it was amazing how high she got up there. And that's what makes Mackenzie Dern so interesting. You know, no matter who you plug her in against, you have that little bit of intrigue where you, even if you feel like uh, Rose Namajunas is just going to dominate her on the feet or something, but what if she gets her down? And you can do that with just about everyone in that division. And that's not to say that Rose Namajunas is a fish out of water on the ground, but Mackenzie Dern is just that good on the ground that it makes her interesting. That's why I feel like she doesn't need to have a five fight win streak to get a title shot. She just has to kind of stick around and, and just keep winning. You know, two fights she could put in there. Three fights. It just depends on what direction the division's going. And if you look at the top, all those girls have kind of fought each other. So I think she's in a good position. I think one more victory could possibly get her in there. If Mackenzie Dern had offensive wrestling, wow, what a threat she would be. You know how Carla always lands takedowns? Mm-hmm. Um, if she had that, that type of ability... Or like Tatiana Suarez, just offensive wrestling, man, to get in those top positions. Holy cow. Dern has rounded out her striking. Her striking starts off nice. They all hit the pads nice. But once she starts fighting, she gets a little clumsy, a little wild. So do all the fighters, but Dern in particular. But, you know, there's her jiu-jitsu is flawless. It's just unfortunate that she can't dictate when she wants to get to the fights to the ground unless she does something crazy like what she did right there when when she did pull that guard i've never seen her really do it like that before that i remember um but it would be a lot nicer if she had a little bit more wrestling and you know what i know at this point you know she's already been a mom she's already almost 30 she ain't trying to work on blast double legs but I liked what Aljo was doing with Jan. He was waiting for Jan to get close enough, and either Jan would throw a kick or throw a combo, and he was just picking that front leg and just working off the single. I'd like for Mackenzie Dern 
to maybe get that down a little bit, get that down and work off the single and then see if she can trip the other leg um, or just tie up, maybe up against the cage and then present other types of sweeps or trips or whatever um, where she can kind of go to work. And I, I think that for sure is possible. Now with that, you do have to be careful. And we didn't, we didn't mention it in the, um, in the uh, Sterling Yawn recap, but Yawn did land a few knees that could have maybe possibly ended the fight, legal ones, by the way, but Sterling was able to pretty much plow through a, a lot of them. So she would have to be careful of that, but I'd love to see her work on that. Is Dern championship material? Yeah. I think so, too. I think so. I think so because of that ground game is just, you know, no one wants to go to the ground with her. And um, I think Carl is the, the only one that's probably not too afraid. I will say Rose Nama Eunice is pretty slick on the ground as well. Um, but, well, Jessica Andrade, if he comes back. But, yeah, for the most part, you know, you don't want to get your back taken by her, especially with time left on the clock. Um, Mark Madsen defeated Vince Pichel. That one was 2-1 Madsen, so 29-28 Madsen. I thought Madsen won round one, Pichelle won round two, and then in round three, Madsen took over with his wrestling. And I think if Pichelle could have just kept that fight on the feet, he looked like the better of the two when he was throwing some hands in round two. And, uh, you know, I, I thought maybe he would be able to give that first loss to Mark Madsen, but it was not to be, and Madsen stays undefeated. It's this interesting situation that Madsen's in because he can go on winning. He could do fights like that, but I don't know that the matchmakers are going to like that. I don't know if Dana White's going to like that. I don't know if they're going to give him more spots on the main card. Now, if you keep winning, you can't be denied. But uh, he doesn't really take too many chances, you know? Uh, that being said, Vince Pichel is just a lot tougher than people give him credit. So this might just be that one fight where we maybe give him a pass. But uh, if he wants to really be considered with those top dogs, I think he's got to turn it up a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Uh, undefeated is nice. It opens a lot of doors for you. But, you know, there's been some time off as well for Mark Madsen. And uh, he has yet to get to the top 10 names. I mean, Pichelle's a, a top 15, top 20 name. And I'm working off the USA Today rankings, but I'm familiar with the UFC rankings. So maybe this Vince Pichel's slightly a little bit higher. And you guys know I like Pichel. He's 7-2 going into this fight in the UFC, so he's no joke. But he got Madsen beat Guida on the tail end of, um, you know, of, of Guida's career. That was a barely a split decision, if you recall. Then he beat Vince in this fight, which was close. It was 1-1 going in round three. And then Austin Hubbard, Danilo Bellardos. He, he had... Those names are nice. They're not what gets you, you know, uh, the big fights. And so Mark Madsen needs to take that next step. I wish he would have had some sort of a call out where he just threw a name out there and maybe that name accepted. But uh, it might have to be Gregor Gillespie. I don't know. Mm -hmm. You know, because those, the, you know, the top guys, goes are they're kind of snobby if you think about it. <laughs> they just don't fight anybody like – I remember Ferguson wanted nothing to do with Chandler, kind of like, who? And Poirier didn't want to fight in a title fight against Chandler. And yeah, it's weird, you know, Gagey, I think they're a little bit like, nah, we're names, you know, McGregor, we're, we're names here. Where I'm just not going to fight anybody. And um, so I'm just thinking Gillespie might make sense. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. The rest of the card went like this all be the quick results because I think the meat and potatoes obviously we've gone through. Um, in the featured prelims of the night, Ian Gary defeated Damian Weeks and uh, Darian Weeks, excuse me. I thought they both look good and I want to see both fight again, but yeah, Gary seems to be a lot better than I thought. I remember seeing him at Cage Warriors, and now, you know, him fighting in the UFC. I guess I was like, I guess what I was thinking was, what you're saying isn't what I've seen so far. But he, to be fair, he was talking more on the trash talking level. He, you know, he was rubbing elbows with McGregor, McGregor and, and Chael, at least in his opinion. 
But I was like, hey, take it easy, man. Win some fights, and then we'll see. But he won a fight. He looked good. Anthony Hernandez defeated Josh Fremd. Raquel Pennington defeated Aspen Ladd. Mike Malott defeated Mickey Gall. Malott really impressed me. What were your thoughts on those fights? Uh, I thought I think Gary still has some work to do. Uh, he looks like he could develop into being a really good fighter. I agree. I think he still just needs a little bit more touch. Uh, you know, there's some things that he does that are still a little off and. Um, it's tough because UFC is not really a place to learn. Like you have to already come in there looking pretty damn good. So we'll see what right. happens with him. I thought Raquel Pennington. I thought that was a great performance for her. You know, yeah, I somewhere agree. along I'll the lines, somewhere on the long, along the lines, she just kind of stopped being the fighter that she used to be. So it gave you that impression that it could, you know, could this kind of be it for her? But she kind of regained a little bit of her swagger from from past, and we'll see if she can keep that momentum going. But I thought that was a really good performance for her, especially considering it was short notice. Yeah. And I was disappointed um, in Aspen Ladd because when she finally did get the fight to the ground, you could see how tough she was. That was the round that she won. She lost 28, 27, no, 29, 28. And on the ground, you could tell she was definitely the stronger fighter. But for the first 10 minutes, Plus, she contested the fight on the feet, where we know Rocky is really, really tough. And I know Aspen feels like, well, I'm tough too. It's just that even if you've worked on your hands and they're way better than when you started the sport, you and your corner need to recognize at least after five minutes, hey, this isn't, you know – whether I'm not winning them, but I'm right there or whatever, you're still – you're running out of time is what is what it boils down to. And so for 10 minutes to not even try a takedown, I could see if she tried and got stuffed, um, pulled guard and got denied, whatever. But no, it was just hands, hands, hands. And then the look that she had after the fight, that showed me like, Aspen, you need to be more present. You need to be you, you need to be more present. You need to be more aware that there should have been no doubt that that was a fight that ended two with Rocky, one for Aspen. Aspen round three, Rocky round one rounds one and two. You know, did she snow plow her, dominate her? No, no, no. She wasn't like just putting on a show like Volkanovski, Korean Zombie. No, I'm not saying that. But she was clearly winning those exchanges. And mm-hmm. Aspen... Her techniques didn't look like, oh, you know, I'm my timing's just not there, or she's beating me to the punch slightly or anything like that. No, the other person was just a more skilled fighter than you were. And so that fight just needed to get to the ground sooner. She got that fight to the ground in round two and then won round three. Guess what? Aspen would have won. But Aspen had this surprise look when they called the other fighter's name. And I'm like, whoa, you need to be more present because that was clear to the rest of the world. Yeah, she since then went on social media and kind of cleared things up a little bit. But she pointed to something that I thought we all just kind of felt was obvious, and it's that she just needs to do more. And uh, I don't know what that is, what she has to do to fix that. But um, this is a couple fights now where I think we felt like she just doesn't push the pace enough. Yep, I would agree. Um. The last set of fights were the early prelims. Oh, and by the way, Anthony Hernandez got into the sport impressing the hell out of me with his hands. But his ground game's not bad, man. I'll just say that. Although I would still try and keep the fight standing if I were him any chance I get. Uh, and Mike Malott definitely looks promising out of Team Alpha Male. Alexi Olenek with the neck crank defeated Jared Randera. Pierre Rodriguez defeated Kay Hansen. Julio Arce defeated Danielle uh, Santos. RC and Hansen were the only two fighters to miss weight. Hansen by two pounds, RC by half a pound. Uh, Olenek at 45, 60th win of his career. Holy cow, pretty amazing. Vandra, what were you thinking, man? Um, you stayed in the ground a lot longer than you should have, and you paid the price. And uh, that's all, yeah, that's all I gotta say though about those early prelims. How about you? I thought, uh, well, I, so yeah. Well, I thought the Olenek fight, um, man, he just let that get out of his grasp. And I think you 
you gambled on that one, right? So that I did on Vandero, and I should be going off right now, but I already went off on Saturday, so I'm not gonna replay the whole thing. But yeah, basically goes, um, you know, Olenek, I'm not coming at him, man, because 60 wins and at 45 to still be doing it. Bravo to you, bro. But the book on Olenek is you don't want to go to the ground with him, and you definitely want to get out of round one. He drops off his gas tank goes south big time after round one and vandera could have done both avoided the ground and got gotten at least in the round two and kept the fight standing where i thought he would have been the better fighter and he just kept picking at him picking at him on the ground and finally um olenic was able to you know get the dominant position on vandera and he just kind of pulled him out with one of those it looked like a a schoolyard choke, but he's kind of cranking on the neck. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Vandra definitely did not need to be in that position. He chose to go in there. Yeah, that's the thing, dude. Like, you kind of – you can't give Alexi Olenek these openings because he's that type of fighter. He's just going to capitalize on your mistake. And uh, it's it's a fight that he probably shouldn't have won. Yeah. I agree. Um, basically, somewhere along the lines of, of Aspen. Aspen just took too long to get the fight to where she's strong. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. The bonuses. The performances of the night went to Alexander Volkanovsky for his performance over Chan Sung Jung, 50,000 to the champ. Gilbert Burns and Hasmat Shemaev, they got fight of the night, 50,000 each. And Alexi Olenek took the other performance of the night. So fifty thousand for him over his win over Jared Vandera. And if anyone's wondering about Jarzinho Rosenstruck versus Marcin Tabora, that that got nixed like the day before the fights, I believe, or something like that, or maybe even the day before that. We were also supposed to have Gastelum and uh Nasser Dinimovov, but that 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 fell apart a couple weeks ago and and then Drikas Duplessis was supposed to stop step in and uh, then Gastelum pulled out. So this this card was really, really nice, man. And, and again, there was some um, nice matchups here uh, from top to bottom. And the two title fights, the featured bout, it was awesome. Thank you all for tuned in to the watch along. It was really, really cool. Uh, Bellator was not in action, but they're in action this week. And then lastly, lastly circling back to our 15-year anniversary goes, what, what are your final thoughts on Show number 3,250 and our 15 years. Yeah, I was kind of laughing as we were doing our show because show number one, you know, back then we had a a dog named Max, right? A Jack Russell Terrier. And he would just kind of walk around. He never knew when he would bark. There's just so much chaos and madness to our early time. And right now we have a a Jack Russell named Yogi. He's only six months old, but I can kind of hear him in the background making his presence known he's pretty pissed that he's locked up right now but the show has just gone through so many different evolutions you know even being a tv show at one point uh, to being on sirius xm that uh now it's two days a week it's a little different but even then like i have some ideas that i i think the show will also continue to evolve from what it is currently now and um but the, the one true thing is that you know you guys have always stuck around and and been uh, fans of the show and we appreciate that support so much and and i've been trying to figure out ways to bring back some of the old stuff we used to do so don't be surprised if the show kind of undergoes another change and i think that's just kind of the key to being on top is just evolving and and so uh, you know we appreciate all your support throughout all all these years it's so tough even your favorite shows that you you go on watching on TV, eventually you just get tired of them, right? But uh, some of you, I still get those texts, I still get those emails, and I'm like, man, this guy still listens, this girl still listens, some old school names. So really appreciate that support. Really appreciate the love you guys give us on iTunes. We appreciate everything. I didn't even know, yeah, those iTunes comments are awesome. Those that have left some, you can go on uh, Apple Podcasts and you can leave a you can leave a um, review you know of the show and i've seen a lot of them we used to read every single one there's like 650 or something like that and i think 
we probably read all five of the first 500, maybe even the first 600, and then we kind of got away from it a little bit. Even the bad ones, we would read them. I always said, you are entitled to leave whatever you want. Just be honest, be fair. If you're doing it out of hate to just leave one, what are you going to do? We got a lot of five stars that will hopefully drown it out. Um, if you've ever left it, a one star, but then we want we, you warmed up to us, and now you feel like we've earned more stars. Hey, go back there and change it. And at the same time, if we were a five star and you felt like we fell off, hey, same thing. We got to accept those too. You know, we're realists over here. But, you know, 15 years ago, I know the junkie gatherings used to kind of be really fun in terms of like, you know, momentous events or numbers like this or landmarks like this. Um, but I guess you know, we are getting older and um, this kind of landed in April. This is the anniversary versus those used to be more in the summer. But um, I was thinking about it today when I was making a post on Facebook. Well, what do I do? Because I remember at 14 years, I included a lot of pictures of us with a lot of the top athletes. And I thought, well, you know, I'm just going to pick a relevant athlete. And I found a picture of you, myself, and Aljo in the studio a few years ago. Uh, so I posted that one. Because honestly, where do you start? You know, like, who's your favorite show? Who's your favorite? I mean, there's so many folks. There's a lot. Heck, I was just looking to my left. I have the TV on mute. And I see Molly Caram hosting the uh, the morning show there on ESPN. And she's been in our studio a few times, actually. She's been on the phone. She's been, you know, she, she was rubbed up on MMA a little bit with uh, the show on ESPN years ago. And, of course, her career evolved. She went over to the NFL Network for a while. But we kept in touch. And now she hosts one of the most popular TV shows with Stephen A. Smith uh, every morning there. And so I see her. You know, she's been in our studio. I saw Jr. At the fights on Saturday in Jacksonville, he's been in our studio. You know, so many of these. The only thing I can say is in the last few years, there's been a bunch of new stars. Like Alex Volkanovsky has not been in our studio. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I would say the pandemic and us going down twice a week, not being so interview heavy, that kind of has pulled us a little bit further away from some of these stars. But, you know, um, we still have a ton of memories with, the what do you call it the um the time that we did come in i wouldn't switch that for anything we have some great memories there and we definitely plan on creating more new memories we just kind of have to evolve i mean there's when we started there couldn't have been more than five shows there was sound off which we were kind of in a way replacing except not meaning we had one we we were starting with frank trigg who was there uh their former co-hosts, but then Sound Off went on with Damon Martin, who's now at MMA Fighting, and Jeff Kane, who's at MMA Weekly. So they had Sound Off. Sure Dog had their show. Um, Full Contact Fighter, I believe, had a show. Eddie Goldman, and so, like I say, there could have been more than five. Um, at least that were kind of somewhat consistent. You had people doing video interviews like Gary Alexander and Ariel Hawani was just starting off with MMA Rated. But um, as far as the consistent shows, no. And then, of course, a year later, we became MMA Junkie Radio. But right now, if you were to really sit there and count all the shows there are, there might be a thousand goes when you throw in fighters, broadcasters, um, fanboys that are just doing this, journalists. There's a lot of them. There's a lot of MMA radio shows out there, and YouTube channels or whatever. So it's it's a whole different ball game than what it was when we started, but it's still fun to be a part of it. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it all I said all that. All you have is for sure. Oh, I mean, right? I for a long time before, so I didn't want to. Yeah. No, I get it. Okay. Well, again, thank you t- to everybody. Um, and yeah, I, I can't wait for the next. I I know for sure I'm in this till at least. 5,000 shows, 25 years. I think the timing sounds right about there, especially if we, go, if we only go twice a week, we would have to pick up the pace. But I, I, I do remember about five, 10 years ago, one time saying, we'll get to 10,000 shows. That'll be a lot, man. That 
that'll probably take me into my 60s, maybe even like at age 70. I don't know. But I want to get to 10,000 shows one day. And, and um, yes, what, 30 years in the industry? I don't know. I don't know what it would take. But um, I know for sure 5,000, 25 years, we'll be there for that. And then the other stuff, who knows? But um, anyway, for now, we're here. Thank you. And um, thank you to everybody that tuned into the watch along and check us out on Spinning Backlick on MMA Junkies YouTube channel. Subscribe there if you want more George and Goes. That's where our interviews go. That's where our um, uh, our video franchises go as well, like Legend Legend, uh, along with the Spinning Backlick. So check it out. It's youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie video. I'm at MMA Junkie George. Those is at the Goes. The radio show is at MMA Junkie Radio. And we are out of here. Enjoy your week. And we'll talk to you soon. As always, go out there and be a champion. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.